I was Armenian Orthodox, and at the age of 27 in Marietta, Georgia, God finally got hold of this fellow who was running away from him for so many years. And he said, hitherto and no more. And I bowed my knees at an altar in Marietta, Georgia, during a revival meeting. And I said, Lord, here am I. I love you tonight more than I love my wife, more than I love my only son. And you can do with me whatever you want to do. And that was the new, new bar. That was the new new beginning. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure, friend, to have you stop by. I'm looking forward to introducing you to our guest today, Newberg Jacobian. The name is synonymous with fine jewelry here in the city of Memphis since 1987, I believe. That is correct. Newber, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you. So glad to be here, Byron. We're going to be talking, among other things, you'll be the special guest speaker at the event for mm-hmm. Overcoming Abuse God's Way at the end of August. That is correct. But I'm excited to hear more of your story. You were actually born in Jerusalem. I was in the old city of Jerusalem in 1947. I was born during wartime. I left Jerusalem during wartime. And I'm afraid to go back lest I start another war. So I'm going to stay put in Memphis. <laughs> Your ancestry, you're Armenian. Yes, sir. A people group that has been around for 3,500 years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, if you look at ancient maps, you will find out Armenia, the land, is not too far from Ur of the Chaldees, where Abraham started his journey. So we are pretty close culturally, mentally. Uh, socially, in just in so many ways, yeah. Armenians and Jews have so much in common. Officially, the first Christian nation in AD 301. Is that correct? AD 301. That is correct. We're the first nation to become Christians by a decree of the king who had had a miraculous conversion. And uh, after that, in 406, the Armenian alphabet was invented. And the very first book to be translated was the Bible. And it's called Aswadashunch, which means the breath of God. And that's how we look at the Bible, the breath of God. It's also interesting, Nuber, looking at the culture and the history to see some of the span of 3,500 years, all of the overthrows, the governments and the kingdoms and the dynasties that came and took over, yet the people, Armenia, still speak the language and the alphabet that was written originally. An interesting fact, too, the world's oldest surviving leather shoe a right-footed moccasin dated back 3,500 B.C. We have been great (laughs) craftsmen. And as far as the empires, different empires coming through Armenia and conquering it, in that sense even, we are very much like ancient Israel because God placed his people in the midst of the crossroads of world empires to show them that God himself will protect them. And Armenia the same way. As a Christian nation... The Muslims have come, the Zoroastrians have come, the Mongol Turks have come. The Ottomans. Ottomans have come. Everybody has come, but they have had to leave, and the nation is still a Christian nation. You know, something, too, about the geography of being mountainous. That is correct. And the mountains is silver and copper. You're a jeweler. Is that a connection anyway? Because you look at ancient Armenia, the craftsmen there, many skilled craftsmen were jewelers. They were, and as a matter of fact, many of them did not even stay in Armenia. They came to the eastern Turkey, to Silesia, a region where the Apostle Paul was so familiar with, and we had another kingdom there, kingdom of Silesia, second part of Armenia, and there were a lot of craftsmen, and they 
really, really were involved in world history during the Crusades. It's really interesting when you study. We as an American, a country, a democracy that's been around for well over 200 years, we think this is the way life is. But if you look at the history of the world, you see kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. But there's one kingdom that stands forever, right? Amen. And this kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom. I look forward to that. So you were born in Jerusalem. Now, were you a Christian at that point? If you are an Armenian, you are born technically into the Armenian Orthodox Church. But when one comes of age, of course, he is free to make his choice to be whatever religion he wants to. I was Armenian Orthodox, and at the age of 27 in Marietta, Georgia, God finally got hold of this fellow who was running away from him for so many years. And he said, hitherto and no more. And I bowed my knees at an altar in Marietta, Georgia, during a revival meeting. And I said, Lord, here am I. I love you tonight more than I love my wife, more than I love my only son. And you can do with me whatever you want to do. And that was the new new bar. That was the new, new beginning. That is beautiful, new bar. What do you remember about living in Jerusalem? Do you have any memories of living in Jerusalem? I certainly do. Unfortunately, the persistent memories will be the ones of interruption of normal life due to sporadic wars or shootings or whatever. We were in the Armenian enclave, in the Armenian convent. We were quite a bit safer there. And uh, we had our own school. 47, when you arrived, 46 is when Israel was reconstituted as a nation again, right? Uh, 48, they declared their independence. 48, so that was a year before. That is correct. But the trouble had already started between the British and the Israelis, the Jewish population, and the unrest was there. But I was fortunate, you know, that my parents survived, that we were in the Armenian convent. We had a school to go to got a good education, and then when I finished school, I went to college in Beirut, Lebanon. Which is north. That Lebanon is correct. Is north. Uh, yes, Lebanon was a totally different country, quite a bit more westernized. Universities, American University, very famous university. Uh, I went to an Armenian college, uh, four-year college, liberal arts school, and I got a good education there, I believe. What about the exodus to the United States? When did that take place? That took place in 1967, and uh, it was a miracle. It was no short of a deliverance, just like God reached out to his people in Egypt, took them out, and uh, God, through a U.S. senator of Alabama, Senator John Sparkman, he took the two Yakubian brothers out of Beirut, Lebanon, and brought them into Atlanta, Georgia, on July the 1st. 1967. Say hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Newberg, it's interesting, too, as I was just tracing these dates, the critical time in history is you talk about being in Israel prior to them declaring their independence. And then there was another group of people. They've been fighting for independence, the African-American community, because in 68, mm -hmm. Dr. King was assassinated yes. right here in Memphis. You arrived right prior to that assassination. Yeah, I, I remember the day I was in history class when the word came. And I had a history professor, Dr. Leon, and he was a Greek. And uh, we had a good discussion. We were friends, of course. It was quite interesting times. Have you had opportunity to travel back to Armenia, take your family and 
to reflect and travel to some of the areas. Can you do that? Uh, Are you able to do I, that? I can do that. I can go to Armenia. Of course, now is the wrong time. Uh, but uh, I have not been back. I have not been back to Jerusalem, even though I know what's going on there. I have friends, you know, that uh, every year that go there and they send me email, text, uh, emails, pictures, everything else. So I, I know pretty much what's going on. That menorah over there in the window of my office, I got to the right of you there. I got that at the Holocaust Museum when I was there in 2018. That was like drinking from a fire hose for, to go right. there for the first time for those few days. You know, I'm excited to have you tell the story because God is a God who saves the nations. He transforms people in different nations, right? Absolutely. Because the gospel transcends any language, any people group. It is the heart of God for the peoples of the world. For God so loved the world. He didn't just love the Jew or the Armenian or the Turk or the German. He loved the world regardless of color, creed, or everything else, or wealth, economic status, or intellectual accomplishments. God is a loving God, but God is also a very just God. He will not let sin go unpunished, nor will the righteous to be not rewarded. You know, with the world in such chaos, and today as we talk about this pandemic we're living in, Nubar, mm. again, something that's impacting not mm. only us in America, but all over the world, and the other problems in government, the corruption that we see, the peace that Jesus wants to offer the heart of man and woman that will put their trust in him. And yet, they're looking for peace, but there's only one true peace. There is no peace, saith God, my God, to the wicked. But to the righteous, he says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There is nothing, no force, no power, no circumstance, no historical event that can keep a Christian down for too long. Yes. In what ways do you see the American church underperforming in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ? Byron, you have been very gracious and generous to describe the church as underperforming. The church has been almost in a reprobate state for a large part for the years that I have been in this country, for about 53 years. And uh, there is a time when God's patience runs out. He will not strive with men forever. The Spirit of God has been trying to tell the church to shape up, to shape up, to shape up, but man has done his work. Instead of Christ being the head of the church, man has become the head of the church, and this is the best you can expect. But God will bring everything into judgment. It seems to be this flavor, and I guess every culture group is going to have its own flavor of Christianity. The definition we are to follow is the biblical definition. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. A sense of uh, humility, a sense of surrender, that is so countercultural to our human nature. The world recognizes prosperity, power, and pleasure. Prosperity, power, and pleasure. Christ's command, on the other hand, is deny yourself. Don't pursue those things. In due season, you are going to enjoy those things with persecution. So that has been my comfort, my conviction, that if I do what God wants me to do, yes, persecution will come, discrimination will come, but God will restore what the world takes away plus more. 
the persevering saint, as you talk about persecution, you know, we, we see just minute examples, I guess, here in comparison to places like Armenia, Iran, where believers are persecuted for their faith, other places around the world where standing for Jesus is a death sentence. We don't see that yet here in our country. Are we prepared to suffer, do you think? Byron, when I got saved, uh, I started reading the book of Jeremiah very, very deeply. And the verse has stuck in my mind from 1975. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of your dwelling, in your land, you know, you cannot handle it, what will you do at the swelling of the Jordan? In the land of peace where thou dwellest, if you can't handle that, what will you do at the swelling of the Jordan? If we cannot handle the slight persecutions of today, what will we do when we lose most of our religious freedoms? So we better get in spiritual fitness. We better train ourselves unto godliness, for the days are coming. The storm is coming. I think fear has gripped us in many ways because we don't have our eyes on the Jesus of the Bible. It's naturally to fear, right? It's naturally right. to fear right. the future, the unknown. It's part of our human nature that is not centered or grounded or totally resting in Christ. And even as a believer, I mean, we look at examples in Scripture when, you know, Elijah and other great prophets, they had times of fear. They had times of doubt. Absolutely. And discouragement, too. Yes, discouragement. Discouragement. None other than Elijah. I mean, he had discouragement. John the Baptist, he had discouragement. But we do know that at the right time, God will send his angel and he will beef us up. He will, <laughs> he will comfort us up. Yes. He will send a word through a brother or through a radio message or through a TV program. Something will happen or through our studies that God is going to pick us up and say, gird up your loins. I'm not done with you yet. And if God is not done, you're not done. But as long as God is there, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Yes. My heart trusted in him, and I was helped. Therefore, will I praise him with my song, and I'll greatly rejoice in him. That is my comfort. The Lord is my comfort. The Spirit is my comforter. And there is nothing in this world. Amen that can keep me down. I love that. Let's back up again about your profession as a jeweler. How did you learn the trade? From my father. I started in a jewelry shop the first summer of first grade. I loved the trade from the first day. And my father put me into apprenticeship with a friend of his, so I would learn discipline. I will not be spoiled. And this man really was a disciplinarian, tight as he could be, did not reward me financially much, but I learned everything I could, plus the discipline. And right now, I love the jewelry trade more than I did when I was seven, eight years old. Because it's so outside of my world, and maybe most of those listening to us today, Nuber, what are the keys of being a successful and a good jeweler? It's the same thing as in every trade. When I started my business in 87, without asking the Lord, four points God dropped in my mind. That will be a formula of success for any jeweler or any businessman. Number one, rule number one, provide a legitimate service in the most professional and competent way. That's number one, a legitimate service. Number two, treat others. That is your employees, that is your salespeople, and that is your suppliers, treat and your customers. 
Treat them as you want to be treated. Number three, which doesn't go well in America, tithe. Tithe in any business. Any businessman that doesn't tithe, I feel sorry for them. And number four, which deals with expansion, and it really applies to American mentality, it is, God, remember, God created the world in six days, not one. Now, some businesses, they have six good months, and they are ready to open three, four more stores, and then they go broke. Remember, God created the world in six days, not one. Take your time, build your foundation, build your clientele, and then gradually expand your business. That has worked for me. I haven't expanded but I have expanded my customer base. But give them what you promise them. Great, great advice. Like you said, anybody that wants to have a business. Any business. Yeah, any business. Okay, as I mentioned at the beginning of our program, you are the special guest speaker for this year's Overcoming Abuse God's Way. Janet Knapper and her team of volunteers and staff do an incredible job to address a very messy issue when we talk about abuse, not only for women, but for men also. That is correct. I will first give a word of caution about the word abuse because the word abuse is abused itself, is overused. But there are legitimate abuses as long as we define it properly in yes. a biblical way yes. and we don't fall prey to the culture to appease the culture, uh, which in this case, I don't believe that is so. I believe Janet is trying to do an excellent work for a very needed area, just like Teen Challenge does and Janet does and other ministries do. We have to know that there are individuals trapped in a lifestyle of not their choice. And even if it is of their choice, we have to confidently assure them that God has the way out and God alone has the way out. It's interesting, you know, that most uh, other secular uh, ministry or not ministries, but professions, whatever, they promise you a cure within 30 days, which means when your insurance policy expires, you are cured. Then you come back. But when God does a work, he sends you, he says, go and sin no more, and you are free. And if the Son makes you free, you are free Free. indeed. Indeed. Oh, I love that. That's so true. That's God's word. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men that are being abused. And we're talking about physical abuse. What can the church do, Nubar, to address this toxic issue in our culture? We can start both ways. We can start with the adults or we can start with the youth who have not had their families yet. It is better to start straightening up the plant when it is very little. You can support it and make it go up straight. Make sure a young lady or a young man knows who they are dating, what they are involved in, and what God requires of them before they start a family. That's very important. The root cause of the abuses is because the family structure has disintegrated because we have moved away from God's standards. So when in a household there are boyfriends coming in and out like the Grand Central Station or girlfriends coming into a man's life like the Grand Central Station and pornography is coming in where the boyfriend and the girlfriend are watching together, making sure the kids watch it so they can abuse the kids, train them in God help us. When that is the situation, I mean, things can only get worse. So make sure, as a pastor, you let your young people know that the stakes are very, very high. You may recover from your error, but you may also not recover from your error. 
and you are bringing into the world very unfortunate lives. And for the adults, for the adults, the church can say God is love. God is also a God of judgment. You take a coin. The coin has always two sides. One side is love. The other side is judgment. And God will judge the sinner. Jesus said, he said that if you as much as become a stumbling block to one of these little ones, he said, it is better for you. It is better for you to put a millstone around your neck and be dropped into the depths of the sea and die there than be a stumbling block to one of these little ones. And if the pulpit gets that message straight across, God will judge the sinner, especially when they abuse the vulnerable. I think people will be a little more careful. A lot of it's secret, too. People are ashamed, are embarrassed because they're afraid for their life. That is correct. Because a high percentage of these abuse do become death sentences. Again, we have to take God at his word. God can put the fear of God in an abuser for an unexplainable way or reason, you know, that he might say, I better leave this one alone. Let me go to the next one. Yes. But you have to throw yourself at the mercy of God, and God will hear the cry of the penitent. Well, again, the special event for Overcoming Abuse God's Way is Friday, August 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. It will be taking place at Grace Chapel in Collierville. That's Pastor Jason Murphy. Yes, sir. I, I love dear, brother. dear brother. Dear brother. Excited. Yes. Always excited. Oh, he is awesome. He actually Jason has a on feature fire. that yeah. airs on our station. I listen to him during <laughs> lunchtime. He has three, five minutes or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 730 South by Hellier Road. There's going to be a silent auction, and you can get your tickets at Eventbrite. Limited tickets, though, but you can go to Eventbrite. Overcoming Abuse God's Way, Paul Burke's Dinner. Have you done similar events like this? Uh, no, sir. I have been a guest speaker on several occasions in different places. As a matter of fact, Byron, when I was a kid, uh, Lyndon Johnson was president when I was still overseas. I was in high school. And uh, he had a man, his, uh, his name was Everell Harriman. And Everell Harriman's title was Ambassador at Large for the United States. From that time, that title has had a grip on me. And later on, I did not know that years later... I would be in a situation to be ambassador at large for the Lord's work. (laughs) And so right now I can go to any pulpit, any church, any color, any denomination, any style, what doctrinal, whatever. And I feel at home because I am ambassador at large for the Lord. It will be great. Whoever comes, they will be blessed. I'm inexperienced in that. I'll bring a message that God would have me. I think I have the sermon ready, but uh, who knows what will happen with me now on the 28th. God might change it. God might change it. That's why I leave it open. But as we speak, I have a sermon ready. Well, we love Janet Knapper, again, the founder and chief executive officer of Overcoming Abuse God's Way. The ministry is a group of trained men and women who have a passion to help the abused man and woman or child. And so those listening, if you fall into that category and you're currently in an abusive situation and you just need to talk to somebody, you you feel like you're trapped. There is a way out. And Overcoming Abuse God's Way is doing a great work. Let me encourage you to visit their website, overcomingabusegodsway.com. The ministry is based in Olive Branch. There's a phone number you can call, 901-605-8087, 901-605-8087. 
overcoming abuse God's way. They are working to have these online, because everybody's doing Zoom calls now, right, Newberg? Right, right. This ministry is working to establish mm. some small groups, some encouraging Bible study mm. groups and ways that can help encourage you where you are through your abuse and help you find ways out to help you find strength in God's Word. And so these uh, these online virtual groups are being formed. And so I would encourage you to call that number again. Let me give it out one more time. 901-605-8087, 605-8087, dot Really encourage you to go to the website and learn about this ministry. And maybe you would like to support because maybe you've been set free, as Newbar talked about. Jesus has set you free from a lifestyle of abuse. Mm you would like to help support a ministry like Overcoming Abuse God's Way. So come out to this uh, silent auction and also for the event, August the 28th. It's going to be at Grace Chapel in Collierville, as I mentioned, the address, 730 South Bahelia Road. Go to Eventbrite and make sure you look for Overcoming Abuse God's Way, the Paul Burks Dinner. It's going to be a great night. Newberg, this is will be. Somebody's trying I mean, to call you. We're trying to do a radio show here. I know the, so I we'll turn we'll, it off. So we'll silence the phone there. But, hey, yes, we're sir. we're coming to an end of the show here. It's okay. You know what? That's what's exciting about having Sorry time about with that. friends. You know what? Hey, we're in a technology world, well, right? Well, it is. I I was determined not to have that for some reason. Well, it's, yeah, you're, it's you're, a, you're a popular person. You, well, well <laughs> I, I tell you, I want to be popular for the Lord. Well, somebody probably wants to have a a, a ring resized or maybe a watch repair. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it was. I was just guessing. Yeah, that's what it was. So services that you provide. Obviously, you, you, you sell mm-hmm. a, a fine collection of jewelry. You custom design jewelry, too. Is that right? Absolutely. I tell people that if it can be done, I can do it. And if I sell you something, it has to be the best, the top in its category. And the prices will be fair. We make a living, not a killing. <laughs> that is my model. I love it. Okay, if folks want to contact you, Nuber, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way is, uh, I almost said BR549, but that's not it. <laughs> but it is uh, 6827070. Okay, and you have a website, too? I know you have a Facebook page, I, I believe, have, for, you, for your I, shop. I don't have a website, but I do have a email and my address is very easy white station tower what used to be 50 50 popular you can't get any easier than that great location 50 50 fourth floor just down the street here down the street yeah. I, I drive to work most of the days in 11 or 12 minutes god bless you my dear brother thank you for what you're doing for christ's kingdom thanks for being our guest today thank you byron i appreciate the privilege it is an honor to serve as an ambassador for the lord I do my best, and my prayer every day is let no one come to my place and leave it without hearing something about you or sensing something about you, that this is a different type of place. Amen. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.